if you just want to hook up, <laughs> there's an easier way to achieve that. And um, if you want to tackle tango, realize that you're going to have to work for it. <laughs> Let's say you and your boyfriend or girlfriend decide to start learning tango. And after a while, one of you decides that they want to quit and the other decides they want to keep going. What do you do? Do you choose tango over your relationship or do you compromise and do something else? Hello and welcome to the 81st episode of the Tango Banter a podcast dedicated to exploring life's important lessons through the lens of social tango. I am your host, Yelizaveta. If you are a fan of this podcast and would like to support its growth, you can do so by subscribing and sharing it with your friends. I really appreciate it. Today, my guest is Christos Kuru Petroglu a software developer and a gifted blogger by day and an avid tango dancer and tango philosopher by night. I first connected with Christos because he started listening to my podcast at the same time that he was developing his blog, which by the way, you can check out. The link is in the show notes. We connected over the mutual desire and challenge of expressing ourselves on the world wide web. In our conversation today, we cover a broad range of topics, including his philosophy of how to sustain a relationship with a non-dancer and get all the tango that you want at the same time. So please welcome Christos Kurupetroglu. Enjoy. Where, where are you from? What's, what's your deal? What are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm... Um... Coming from Greece, I used to live in Thessaloniki, uh, where I started learning tango. Um, my job is actually software developer, but uh, now I'm a software developer, mostly on the developing side. But before that, I was also working on the research area. I, was, uh, I did a PhD on accessibility of, uh, uh, of the web. Of, um, I actually helped produce, uh, develop a... Um, web browser that made life easier for blind people to read web pages and yeah so after my phd i worked on some research projects i wandered around in the research area and now i'm more in the development area just because the projects are, <laughs> are that way and life brought me to frankfurt just because of work um, i was working with a company and they had a client in germany and they told me okay if you want, you can go there. It's a project. It's only for nine months in the beginning. That's what they told me. Uh, and it's now five years and we're still there. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were saying you basically split your time between Frankfurt and, and the Salonika? Is that where, where yes. you are right now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you were a software engineer or software developer mm -hmm. And yeah, which doesn't surprise me that you dance tango. There's a lot of people from <laughs> software engineering, yeah, software indeed. development side, 
Um, so what is it that brought you to tango? Like what attracted you to tango in the first place? To be honest, I started tango just as an activity, like going to the gym or something. Um, we met with my girlfriend, uh, 11 years ago and we met through dance and she was going to some dance classes and I joined and we met there. And since then, uh, after five, six years, uh, she found some, we were, the, the class stopped. We continued our relationship, but, uh, she wanted to find some activity that we could do together. So she found this offer about tango classes and we said, okay, why, why don't we join? It was initially for one or two months. Uh, I liked it. I told her, why not continue? She was a bit reluctant in the beginning. We continued for a whole year. Uh, but she didn't like it very much. She wanted to stop. I wanted to continue and we had an agreement. I continued and she, she quit. <laughs> wow. And so, but you guys are still together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, typically the joke is, you know, if you, if, if you want to get people to break up you have them take some tango classes together <laughs> you know it, it like was, most of the time it, it causes so much indeed. tension indeed our teacher in the beginning was telling us that uh, the couples who are who have a relationship please don't try uh, to practice at home alone practice here and if you have oh. a difficulty if you don't know who is wrong and who is right you can come to me and uh, i clarify what is the problem but don't try to solve problems alone at home Try to work here if you want. And I try to wow. follow the advice and yeah, it works. <laughs> this is very good <clears throat> advice. I need to remember that as an advice for. Yeah, especially for beginners. Uh, I think it's. Uh, couples. Very <laughs> yeah. If, if you think it's, it's a romantic idea to start taking tango as part of your relationship, do not practice at home by yourself. I think that's a really good piece of advice. Mm. So she quit after a year and you, mm -hmm. you stuck with it. And mm -hmm. so what was it that you were getting out of this that she wasn't like, what exactly yeah. made you stay? I guess. I think what I liked was exactly what she hated in tango. So I liked um, mm. the improvisation of it, that it was a dance that you could improvised totally there was no uh, predefined sequences or you can do your own sequences and combine things around and that was uh, an outlet for creativity also for me I mean I was we were doing different things and I was coming home and I was thinking ah this way I can go this way and if you split this step in the sequence I, I can go this way and this try, started getting me interested and the other thing was uh, the music I don't know, but uh, somehow I like the music. I think I had, um, because, because I had a um, uh, touch with the music before uh, starting to dance, actually with uh, Nuevo Tango. Uh, I was in Berlin years ago and a friend of my friend, she was going to a concert. She told me, okay, if you want, you can join us. And the concert was from Bajo Fondo. I didn't know anything about electric oh. tango, anything about 
and I went to the concert and I was amazed by the music, by the energy, everything. Uh, so I searched about this um, genre of music. I ended up listening a lot of to Gotham Project and Bajo Fondo and all these orchestras at that time. And yeah, I liked the sound of it. So when the music of the traditional tango came into the classes, yeah, it felt natural for me. It felt nice, familiar. So yeah, I liked it. And that's what she didn't like. The the sound, the old sound was what she didn't she didn't like in the in tango. Do you think that you would have liked the traditional tango music just as much? if you did not hear the electro tango first? Interesting question, I don't know, but I think yes, because there is something in the music that I, I like. I mean, it's um, it reminds me also of some Greek music that we have, some similar Greek dances that we have. Uh, so yeah, probably I would, yeah. How long have you been dancing tango? It's now almost seven years. Yeah, so I'm curious. You've been doing it for seven years, and then you started a blog. And how did that come about? Why, why did you start it? Yeah, it started like a joke. I get actually. Um, it was during <laughs> Corona. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was during Corona. And it was. I think it's basically out of the necessity to connect to keep the connection with my friends from Tango. Uh, so I remember one night I would I just posted a, a song and I just wrote this is just a good night tango tango for good night something like that and then next day mm -hmm. came the tango that I was hearing all the day or was stuck in my mind I was just posted it in Facebook and I would say okay that, mm. that's tonight's good night tango and after some time I started writing little stories or little texts around it. That would connect somehow with the with the with the song, and it started getting mm -hmm. more and more. The text started getting bigger and bigger, and I liked also the dialogue behind it. Uh, I mean, I was posting something, I was expressing some opinion, or I was telling a story, or whatever, and it was a discussion with with our friends uh, in the comments, and I liked it very much. So after some time. This became uh, too much. I stopped for some bit, for some period. I said, "Okay, I don't have anything else to to write about. I will stop." And yeah, <laughs> it, it it turns out that after some Just months, like uh, I discovered new things to write about, and I started writing again. I said, "Okay, I will start writing, but I don't have any commitment on when I will write or if I will do that every night as, as I was trying to do it before." So, yeah, I started writing whenever I had something to write about in my Facebook account. That's on, that's only what happened. And as it grew, I wanted to have reference to previous posts. I wanted to, to, to say where, as I wrote to this post or the other post. And this is very difficult technically in Facebook to do. So at some point I was, I posted a, a, a text and, uh, I said, uh, okay, maybe I will try to uh, write a text every Monday night or something. And a friend of mine told me, yeah, why don't you blog it? Why don't you create a blog out of it? I said, why not? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I started, yeah, building the blog. It took me about one week, transferred most of the texts 
back to the blog structure and I had already the material there. <laughs> so then I kept building there. For myself, you know, when I started the podcast, it was, I guess, very similar to uh, how it happened for you, where there was just this impulse to do it. And I remember I didn't know anything about podcasting. And the only reason why I even decided to do it, because I myself am not a podcast listener by nature. I remember I signed up for some sort of coaching program and the woman, my coach, she had her own podcast. And so I listened to it and it was just her talking and I heard it and I was like, gosh, I, I feel like I could do that. I feel like I could, <laughs> I could just do that. And so I didn't have anything beyond that. <laughs> I just thought, what a simple idea. I just sit there and talk about tango for half an hour or something. And I remember my very first recording that I did, I actually, like I never published it. It was just like, I just was so nervous and it was just like 15 minutes. And I, I was like, it just felt so like crawling out of my skin kind of feeling. And then I had told a few people that I was thinking about starting podcasts and I was talking about it. And, and so then one night I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to record this. And I think I, my very first podcast, I think it was about, um, how women have to wear, like how short can, does your skirt have to be to get a dance? <laughs> like that whole yeah. idea of like that as women, we are told that in order to, uh, get dances, you need to wear a shorter skirt. So that was my first topic. And I just, I sent it to a couple of my friends with this absolute feeling of dread, right? Like this feeling <laughs> of like, oh my God, this is so stupid. But I just, I sent it to three people. Okay. One of them was my best friend. And I was like, I was like, please don't listen to it if you don't want to, but here it is. I'm just doing this thing. And and, uh, and that, that first little step, you know, my friend, uh, came back and I was just, I was just so afraid that she was going to say that it's boring and that I just ramble on and it never amounts to anything, <laughs> which is my <laughs> inner voice, you know? Um, but she was really encouraging and that little step then, you know, led to the next step and the next step. And, uh, you know, here I'm doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. Like now it's become sort of a big part of my, <clears throat> of my life. And in your article that you, that I finally read that you sent me, which was about this idea that the creative process is a very, um, it's a very difficult and uncomfortable process. Like when I feel like people have, Note this notion, including myself for a long time, that the creative process is just this like being caught up in the, in the moment of inspiration, almost like you're in a delirium and you're just channeling some sort mm. of creation, yeah, know. you know? <laughs> and uh, there's a famous quote. Um, I, I don't remember who it's by. I want to say it's by Chuck Close, the artist, but I'm not sure where he says, mm -hmm. uh, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just get to work. And yeah. it stuck with me because mm -hmm. if you sit there and wait for 
inspiration, a lot of times nothing's going to happen because the obstacle is this feeling of dread of being rejected Mm -hmm. that you talked about. And you mentioned in your blog that there are some things that were controversial for you to talk about or difficult for you to talk Mm -hmm. about. I think one of the issues that I had usually to write about and one of the problems that I had, uh, as also I mentioned in the in the blog post that you mentioned, uh, is about the communities. I experienced, especially after COVID, when I was coming back to Thessaloniki, the difference between the two different communities and how the community in Thessaloniki was divided. And I was discussing it with my friends and they seemed to agree with what I was experiencing, what I was um, uh, thinking, but still I was a bit reluctant. I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe that's just my opinion. That's just my view of it. And mm. maybe, maybe it's not like this. And after sometimes, I, I mean, I had this post written for months and I, I just had it there. Uh, and after some months, I had a discussion with, Randomly, I mean, I was in Milonga and one of the organizers, uh, which had just started before leaving, and he also expressed his uh, disappointment from the community and from the organizers and how things are split and everything. And I said, so it's not just my my thinking, it's it's something that everybody knows and nobody talks about probably, or I don't know if they talk about it or mm-hmm. whatever. So I said, okay. I don't care. I will I will just post it. And it triggered some discussions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it triggered discussions here. I saw that uh, when I posted it to different forums in different groups in Facebook, people from different communities came about and said, okay, yeah, I see that also in my community and it's sad and um, people are getting divided in different milongas and different organizers and stuff like this. And so I was surprised to see that most of the comments was coming from divided communities and not united communities <laughs> and yeah mm. that's um it triggered a, a a discussion i like that and it gave me also more uh, ideas and more food for thought to process and write maybe in the next uh, post yeah i guess it's tough to comment and i've noticed for myself too as part of my podcast topics, when I'm thinking about providing specific examples of difficult things or Mm -hmm. uh, controversial things in the community, it does cross my mind uh, that, you know, is it just my point of view? I don't know if I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want to offend Mm -hmm. anybody. And and it definitely uh, can be a detriment to your process because you're trying to take care of other people and take care of other people's reaction. I remember you talking about these issues in your community that you've observed the differences. And I'm curious what those are just for the sake of like, is it the same stuff that we're dealing with here in the U S are there specific issues that are particular to your community that you observe in tango? Um, I think what I observed is um, uh, this division between uh, like schools and teachers and 
levels in, in dancing. Uh, and my idea and my thinking is that always in a community, uh, there are some people that are acting as role models, like the teachers or the organizers or the DJs or the people who are more prominent, you know, the people who, who you see more and you admire more. They are acting more or less as role models. And if their behavior is a certain way, they shape the behavior of the whole community because you see them as an example and unconsciously you act like them. You want to be like them, you want to act like them. So. If the behavior of prominent members in the community is uh, to divide and to 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 don't not dance with lower level dancers or to, to whatever I don't know, it comes in all other levels. It goes in all in, into the whole community. So that is what I think um, I experienced at least in in the Greek community. Uh, not so much in the German community. Mm -hmm. In the German community, we have other issues between different organizers, and but things are more different because people, when they have a problem, they let it out and they try to discuss it, mm -hmm. try to fight it out, I don't know, and find a solution, whatever. But they don't let it uh, under the carpet. They don't let it go under the carpet and then mm -hmm. it grows, grows, grows. At some point, there's an elephant in the room and nobody's nobody's talking about that. I think it's a pretty similar challenge um, across the board. And sometimes when I reflect on this, like, why is it? Why is it that those particular organizers or those particular teachers have this sort of aura about them that they don't mingle with the commoners and they're sort of like acting their little diva, <laughs> a little mm -hmm, bit mm -hmm. of a diva energy. And, um, and you're right. I think we naturally even unconsciously try to mirror whatever it is that we see and we admire. Yeah. So it does sort of trigger this feeling of like, Oh, well, I want to be like that. And when you come to this level, you act like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I asked myself, why would, uh, why would they choose to act this way? Why would they choose, even if they're like building their malanga and I'm wondering like, gosh, they would, they would be so much better off in my opinion, if they just sort of connected more or were mm. more, a little bit more down to earth. But you know, I honestly feel like they don't know that they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, like, probably. They just don't, they're not aware of their, like they're, they're in their own little bubble and outside of mm. that bubble, it's just beyond, beyond mm. the space that they care about. So yeah, anybody on that side, of that bubble is looking in and think, and, and probably somewhat taking it personally saying yeah. like, Oh, I'm not mm. good enough to be in this mm. bubble. Mm. But the reality is that the people inside the bubble are not even aware that you're, you exist. Like they, they're not kind of like even thinking exactly. about you, exactly. <laughs> you know, somebody needs a needle to break this bubble. And yeah, I mean, the bubble is always going to be there. I think people naturally, yeah. there are certain people who really like to be centers of attention. They really, mm -hmm. they really thrive in the spotlight. So I think there's always going to be those personality types, mm -hmm. but I think for 
the rest of us who are not in that limelight to somehow get to the point where we really see what's happening, that it's not like, oh, inside the bubble is better than outside mm. the bubble. It's like, mm. no, it's actually the same thing. It's just a little, you know, different spot in the room kind of thing. Mm. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because you've been following my podcast for a while, uh, and you know some of the topics I've addressed, I'm curious if any of them you've resonated with differently as a man versus a woman, because some of the commentary I got from, from people is like, yeah, we appreciate hearing your perspective as a woman, but there's all this stuff that is different for guys in tango. Mm. And like, it's, it's a different experience to grow as a dancer, uh, mm. as a man. And so I'm curious if there are any things for you, particularly as a man coming into tango that you have had to face and struggle with that are perhaps different than for women? Yeah, I would say it's not only... Uh, yeah. Well, I will start by saying that it's not only being a man. Uh, for me, it was, only, it was also an additional problem that I wasn't very... Uh, I was also always very shy, you know. Uh, I remember myself mm -hmm. in the school, for example, I was shy in particular with, uh, with girls. I would be very shy to talk to them. So... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Coming from this side, dancing tango with whoever I see from a distance is like huge, a huge distance to cross. Uh, and I still remember, I mean, in the beginning, uh, when we joined the classes, we joined with my partner and we were dancing only in the classes between us, between, between ourselves. I didn't change partners. And I still remember when I started going alone, that it was a bit challenging to be facing and embracing some other lady girl whatever it was not as it was not a familiar feeling it was a bit strange uncommon mm -hmm. you know i had mm -hmm. to deal with that and also being in a relationship at the same time it felt a bit like you know strange but I had to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, like, are you are you cheating on your girlfriend in front exactly. of her kind yeah, of feeling? Like you, yeah, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you said it. I mean, and then I started realizing, okay, you know, it's just a dance. It's just a, an expression. We are together. It's just, I saw also some videos from old Milan girls. I remember one video from Osvaldo Icoca, uh, a very old couple in Buenos Aires, and they were... Uh, I remember one expression that he said at some point, he said that when I'm dancing with somebody for these 10 minutes, she is the only one that exists in the universe. No mother exists for me, mm -hmm. no friend exists for me, nobody else. But this is only for these 10 minutes. From then on, everything else comes back. But for these 10 minutes, I'm only there for, for her. And she's also there for me, only for me. So I said, okay, yeah, it's like, it's like acting, for example. The actors, when they go to play in a mm. cinema, in a movie, in a theater, they don't, they, they are not in love with their uh, actor partners, right? But they act like they are in love or they act like mm -hmm. they are in, in anger with them or whatever. They express their emotions, but it's not really themselves being real. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, there is this parallel. And I, 
I started rationalizing, rationalizing it like that, and it started making sense. And it kind of unlocked me in terms of feeling this uncomfortable uh, uh, sensation. I would say, yeah. After the classes, the, the problems were like um, how to do a cabaseo to a person that you don't know, you haven't danced before. It was very easy when you were sitting together with uh, with some classmates. Okay, you knew them from the classes. You danced be, uh, between us in the in the classes. That's okay. But yeah, when it was some stranger, I still remember my first time doing a cabaseo to a stranger that <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, How did that feel? <laughs> uh, in the beginning, <laughs> stressful, but after the first, I think, song, it was yeah, okay. I said that's it. That's uh, you know, it, 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 it. I I started seeing it as a game, and I saw you know, if you want to play football, you have uh -huh. to kick the ball. If you want to play basketball, you have to play with your hands. If you want to dance tango, you have to cabaseo. That's the rules of the game. So, if you mm -hmm. want to be in the game, you you have to play by the rules. So, I tried it, and it worked. <laughs> I really love, I really love that uh, analogy and that and that metaphor. And it's funny because it works really beautifully when you treat it like a game, right? Mm -hmm. But you know. Tango dance, it's it's a game, but it's also full of like very artistic, creative, mm -hmm. non non-conformist people. It attracts people who are very individualistic. Mm -hmm. And so you have this game that you're trying to play, but of course there's going to be people who don't want to follow the rules. They want to participate in the game, but they just don't like following the rules. And they take it personally when they are required, you know, in some way. And I think that is always going to be happening because yeah, uh, anytime there's like a, uh, you know, some sort of rules set up for tango dancers as a group, there's mm -hmm. going to be somebody who's not going to want to follow them. It just, mm -hmm. it's like cats, you know, hurting mm -hmm. cats is like, forget it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so <clears throat> I find this very illuminating and thank you for uh, opening up a little bit mm -hmm. more about this process of the challenge that you might have as a man who is in a romantic relationship with your girlfriend mm -hmm. and you two are coming into the space where suddenly you're going to have access to many women's bodies and you're going to mm. be holding them and you feel their breasts rubbing against you. And there's <laughs> this like, Whoa, how is, is this so, is this allowed? Is this, is this okay? When I, first experience this, like, okay, I have access to all these men, all these men are hugging me. And that's very powerful to just like be embraced and feel mm -hmm. and sense. And, and that whole idea of like, this person is the only one for the next 10 minutes, right? That mm -hmm. intimacy mm -hmm. that you get, it gave, you know, it stirred up feelings, sensuality in my body. I started feeling a lot of new sensations and mm -hmm. my young mind when i first experienced it was like oh my god this is love this is my soulmate this is this is you know like you just have this your mind doesn't can't make sense of it yes you know yes. um and so it was a very much this 
conversation between the physical impulses that mm. uh, Tango sort of stirred up, mm -hmm. and then what is my mind going to do about exactly. it? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm curious if that was that was part of your experience. Uh, it was, but I, as I said, I, I rationalized it very quickly because uh, I'm a person that thinks a lot uh, when I have, uh, mm -hmm. when I feel something and I think, I always said, I, I always thought, okay, that was a beautiful tanda, that was a, an amazing uh, partner, but, you know, uh, I have a partner, we have been through hard times, we have been through easy times, I know her, she knows me. Uh, this is something that we have built all this time that it's not very easy to to destroy or to rip it apart just mm. because you felt something in those 10 minutes because you don't know the other person. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you don't know about the other person. And that was the first, the first rationalization. And I discovered and I accidentally discovered some, some things about um uh the chemicals the uh in neuroscience there's i i was reading about the um, what are you talking about dopamine yeah those dopamine discussion that i wrote about and i i when i started researching finding out about the oxytocin effect and what you feel like when you have an overdose of oxytocin or not an overdose but an increased level of oxytocin that happens after a very nice standard. Mm -hmm. One of the things that scientists were saying was that you, when you are in love, you have the same effect and you don't think rationally. You think when you see people who are in love, regardless of whatever difficulties they might have, they think that they will make it together. They might be, uh, mm -hmm. they might have a ton of problems between them, a ton of things that make them split them apart but they will, they think that they will find it and they, they, they will make it together. And that is nature's way to unite it, to unite us, I guess. Because if you don't have this and you think rationally, you will not fall in love and you would not do anything. Mm -hmm. So that was what right. I felt when I felt, when I first met my, uh, my girlfriend, my, my fiance, my fiance. Uh, and yeah, okay. That passes out after some time. And then comes love, comes relationship, comes companionship, comes all other things that keep you together with some with somebody. So those ten minutes is just ten minutes, and if you think you fall in love with somebody, it's just the chemistry building up inside you and tricking you into thinking that you are in love. <laughs> I know there needs to be like a disclaimer for beginners. You know, it's like when you feel this, do not proceed with, you know, anything. Uh, so that's really great uh, how you found your way to really finding a balance. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it sounds like you're, you were already coming into tango with a lot of self-awareness where the emotions that are happening to you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're not just taking them at face value and you're mm -hmm. not taking them as an indication of reality but mm -hmm. you're just you're just studying it which i think is a really healthy mindset and i feel like if you are to last in tango you kind of mm -hmm. have to learn to do that because tango throws so many 
challenging, Mm -hmm. awkward, embarrassing emotions at you. So you kind of have to learn to do that. So why, why is it that a lot of men don't have the same attitude? Like, what is it about you that has given you this ability to create healthy boundaries within tango and sustain a healthy relationship with your girlfriend? Because that's a very rare thing, right? I typically hear the Mm. story is that the boundaries are crossed and then Mm. there's a lot of conflict and a lot of confusion. Mm. And I have my ideas for why that happens for women. And I talk a lot about that because I went through that. I, you know, I ended up being tied up in a lot of drama and a lot of abuse emotionally and physically because of it. But what's your opinion? What is it for guys that makes it difficult for them to see that boundary and to to draw the healthy boundaries and yeah. balance? I think I think it's not it's not the the, the passion. It's a matter of the relationship or of what happens in the relationship. Uh, if you are in a relationship where the, where there is understanding, where there is dialogue, when when there is problems, you discuss them and you try to find a solution and you are both ready to 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 make a compromise to reach a solution. Uh, that's much easier to negotiate all this kind of um, drama or whatever else. And then you respect. I mean, uh, I I I have the opportunity to uh, dance tango, and I'm allowed, and my girlfriend doesn't have a problem with that. And that is something that I have to respect. Uh, I mean, uh, she could have told me years back when we st- when she stopped that I don't want you to continue, and that could be the end. She let me continue. Mm-hmm. I continued. I growed, and she also kind of benefits from that at some point because I see myself growing and also being able to express myself better emotionally, um, being better in touch mm-hmm. with parts emotionally in my life in my in myself that I wasn't aware or didn't know how to express how to work with them and that is also benefiting beneficial for our relationship so uh, I think it's mutual respect and understanding in the relationship that that is um, the key point uh, if you have that yeah it's it's as I said you have built some value in your relationship which is very hard to break it and yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Yeah. I guess you, you see the, how much work it takes to keep a relationship and to mm-hmm. have it not just be functional, but actually thrive mm-hmm. and enjoy being in there that you, you know, you, you see the value of it and you don't want to just throw it away exactly. just because there's like this 10 minute experience. Exactly. And there is this 10-minute experience and then there are more 10-minute experiences for other... I mean, if this was happening every time that I had a perfect tanda with somebody, then I would be changing partners every now and then. It's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, <laughs> it totally doesn't make sense. I mean, so... That's... Yeah, that's true. Because when you first experience it, there's this feeling like, oh my God, this is so special. This is the only time that's ever happened or will happen. Mm. So you get attached to the person. But the reality is it's like, it's going to happen many, many times. And for me, it was, 
cool to feel that first as a follower dancing primarily men. And then when I started leading, I realized I can also feel that with women. And it's, it was such an interesting revelation that it's the same energy, the same sort of focus, but it has nothing to do with uh, me being perhaps like sexually attracted to women mm. or having some sort of like desire to go home with them mm. there. It feels like two separate, two separate things mm -hmm. altogether and that I can very much feel that same space of like really being in this universe with just one person, mm -hmm. whether I'm dancing with a woman or a man. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a cool insight um, for me. Now I'm curious, and this is of course kind of a hypothetical theoretical question, but I do feel like you found this really great balance and it seems like tango and your relationship have this beautiful synergy and they both define sort of boundaries for each part of your life and create mm -hmm. a possibility of growth. And, you know, if you weren't in a relationship and you got into tango <laughs> and you were to feel all these things, um, do you feel you would have had the same experience? Would you, mm. would, would you yeah. treat it the same way? I don't know if yeah you know, i think I'm it curious. depends on which stage in your life do you come into tango and how how self-aware you are of yourself your emotions mm -hmm. and what you're looking into your life uh, i mean if you're in your 20s and you just want to experience the world and um yeah you you find girls dancing tango and you can find many partners and change and whatever i mean that's life but if you come to tango in your 30s or in your 40s it's a different story you have already gone through a lot and if you come to tango in even uh, older ages you have experienced a lot i have i have met a lot of people that have been through marriages through divorces through they have children they have uh, families um, and it, it all depends on how you come into tango uh, so at my age, at the point that I came to tango, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe I would experience it a bit differently. I would probably maybe build a relationship with somebody from tango, but again, that would not be a flinch or something that would be just for some months and that's all. I would look, because I wasn't looking for something, uh, you know, Temporary. I was looking for some life relationship, not um, something. Uh... Would you say that you consider tango to be a good place to go meet women if you are a single guy? And I ask that question because I know for a fact that many men come to tango to connect with women. And I've heard men actually say that tango taught them how to hold a woman yeah like it was that profound mm -hmm. that they they came to tango for that purpose mm -hmm. now i'm actually curious if in reality do you consider like like if if a guy a 22 year old guy came up to you and said hey you know i really want to meet some girls and i'm thinking about starting tango is that a good idea <laughs> what would you say when you come into tango maybe you have this idea that you will find girls access to to girls and 
that would be easy and uh, but that's not really the reality uh, because in order to dance you have to educate yourself you have to be respectful of the women you have to to learn to respect if they say no when they say no you have to be uh, you know um, kind uh, and emotionally that teaches you and not only emotionally but behaviorally that teaches you to be a better person for your partner uh, so from that point yeah that that is a kind of a good education for for somebody um, if you see it shallow and you think that that is uh, a place to hook up with girls yes you can go to a bar as well it's pretty similar i mean if you have the courage to go and talk to to girls, why don't you go to a bar or to a club and meet meet girls there? I mean, it's it's the same thing. There's no difference. But tango, yeah. be it as it is, it kind of educates you to be a, bit, a better kind of um, person if you if you take it seriously for your partner. So the moral of the story is there's an easier way. If you just want to hook up, <laughs> there's an easier way yeah. to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to tackle tango, realize that you're going to have to work for it. <laughs> yes. That <And laughs> it's it's not just going to be a casual and encounter. Mostly you have to work with yourself. I was watching some videos recently from a guy who mm -hmm. does some coaching seminars. And he was uh, speaking about how we deal with our dark emotions, our sadness, our fears, or whatever. And mm -hmm. he was picturing this like you have your emotions and they are children. You, you have your children. And you always uh, embrace the good children, like happiness, joy, you know. You embrace them. Ah, oh, the good kids. And you beat up and you hide the, the bad children, the, the, the sadness or the fears or whatever else. When you come into tango, if, if you hear and if you listen to that, that is something that I discovered recently. If you hear and if you listen to the, the songs and read the lyrics and the music more carefully, you understand that it is not a happy music. It touches and brings you in touch mm -hmm. with your dark emotions, with your sadness, with your, with your, with your fears, with loneliness, with things like that. Uh, and you have to express them in your dance. And if you want to express them in your dance, mm -hmm. you have to get in touch with them. So you have to stop beating them up. You have to somehow learn to negotiate, to, to use them and to express them in your body. And I think this is one of the biggest problems that we have as dancers in general, not only men, but also women, that we are not, I mean, we are conditioned socially not to embrace our dark feelings or our, uh, our bad feelings. And when it comes to dance, things like that, where they talk about very dark situations, it's, um, it's not easy to express them. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think you're pointing to something really interesting that if we don't want, most of us go into tango or any kind of dance, we don't think about embracing our dark feelings. Yeah. We want to appear beautiful. Mm -hmm. We want to be graceful. Mm -hmm. We want to be admired. We want to look beautiful. And it's as if that we come to whatever it is that we're 
whatever art we find and we want to show our best and we want to prove that we're worth it. Mm -hmm. And we want to somehow justify that, you know, uh, who we are, mm -hmm. but really tango, if, if you're to really dive into it, then pushes you. Uh, and I think any creative process ultimately pushes you to get in touch with the darker, the darker side. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think it's until we confront that dark side, mm -hmm. whatever that is for us, that we finally actually get in touch with who we are as artists or as creators or, or express who we really are. And I'm glad that you brought us to this awesome quote from this blog I just read, um, where you say, uh, Dance and, dancing and even more so tango as an art form is also a creation process. It might not take so much time as writing a post or a book or a podcast, but it still is a creation, an instant creation, our creation, our co-creation to be exact. Therefore, it is only natural to have the same fear when bringing it to the world. We might be afraid people will not like it, will not accept it, will mock it or ridicule it. So what do we do in response? We usually hide. We hide behind frameworks, techniques, structures, sequences, steps, and so many other things that in the end bring to the world something that is not our reflection. It is not us. It is just a construct that follows some guidelines like an Ikea furniture. I've noticed too, and I'm sure for you, maybe this was one of those things where you're like, well, is this just me thinking this? Is Am I the only one noticing this? Mm. And I had that thought for a while too. It was like, am, am, I, am I just being critical? Mm. Uh, but I think it's true. I think for the most part, people come into tango and they learn a lot of frameworks mm -hmm. and then they try to perform those frameworks as best as they can. And they want always external validation that they're doing the frameworks correctly. Mm. But they're actually not getting into that place of creation, mm -hmm. which the requirement for that is to get in touch with all of those dark feelings. Yeah, I think it's not only the dark feelings, it's uh, in general, we are conditioned and we, we learned from children not to be very expressive with our emotions sometimes. Uh, even with happiness, even with good emotions, sometimes we are taught not to be very, you know, loud or expressive. And this kind of restricts mm -hmm. us when we go into tango. And you need to find a way to express yourself, to find a way to express your emotion. You come into this, you have yeah. all these uh, things learned, and it's very difficult to break this barrier and say, okay, I will do it. I will just say what I want to say. I will just express what I want to express. And I don't care if it is good, bad, whatever. The, the thing is that when you do that with your partner, it reflects back. When I started dancing and when, mm -hmm. I, when I first started experiencing that I really expressed some emotion, I saw that I was getting this back as well. Um, most of the times, at least. Mm. You mean the emotion of um, just being present? Yeah, the emotion of, of being present. I think the difficult part is to, to break this. And as I wrote in one of my, of my blogs, um, and it's not my idea, as I said, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I read also from big Milan girls like Carlos Gavito and Daniel Flacco. They say that 
Tango doesn't work if it is clean. I mean, if you only care about the technique, <laughs> about the, the, the position of your foot and everything else, it doesn't, you have, ultimately, you have to, to express your emotion. And that is something that works in our mind. When you feel something, when, you, when you're emotional, your brain and your logical thinking sometimes blocks. And you don't have the ability to think, okay, I do this this way or the other way or whatever else. So in this, in this way, you make your tango kind of dirty, messy, because you are expressing emotion. And when you express emotion, if you have the technique built inside you and it's automatically and comes out without, without thinking, then it is even better expressed. If it's not perfect, it will be a bit more messy. But in all cases, it will be a bit messy. For somebody that looks it from the mm -hmm. outside, they might think, okay, what they're doing now, they lost it, or they, they don't step very well, or what kind of steps is this, or whatever. But the feeling that you have inside the embrace and what you feel within your partner and in your dance is something else. And that is what is important, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's complicated to talk about this and try to describe exactly what it is, because I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, yeah, I totally understand this concept, but how do I actually do it? What does it actually mean? And for me, the more physical, tactile feeling of expression or not, I noticed for me, is the actual ability to move in such a way where it's more of a spontaneous um, bubbling up of an impulse from inside mm. where I'm not really thinking about the movement mm -hmm. I'm doing. I'm just doing the movement because I can't help it. But if the teacher gives me an instruction like, okay, lift, lift the arms and you want to feel this and they're describing it. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I wanted to do it like this and like this and like this and like this. It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not really doing, yes. I'm not really expressing. Mm -hmm. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just showing the structure. Mm -hmm. And there's a real big difference when I watch dancers who have, first of all, there's no such thing as perfect technique. And anytime that I've seen performances that are absolutely breathlessly perfect. So I've noticed that when I watch dancers like that, sometimes, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. If it doesn't have that emotion in it, mm -hmm. like it just doesn't, it just looks kind of like blank, you know, mm -hmm. but I've noticed that dancers who have a lot of emotion and they're not necessarily very technical. It, it seems like it doesn't matter what they do. It looks amazing. Yes. And those are the dancers that are really fascinating to me because I'll be sitting at the Malanga and just kind of looking around, looking around. And all of a sudden, there'll just be this one dancer that'll be doing something so simple, mm -hmm. but it will be like perfectly shaped, perfectly kind of match to the moment with the music and it will take my breath away. And I'm like, he's just, just doing sidesteps. And I totally am kind of carried exactly. away with that. So for me, when I first started realizing that I wasn't expressing my emotion was when I first started making videos of myself and seeing myself dance and going, wait a minute, I thought I had all this volume and extension, <laughs> but really I'm like this. You know, mm. I felt all of this stuff inside, but it was really hard for me to actually like show it in my body, mm. which is, I think what you're talking to, mm. 
that as kids or young adults, we're not shown how to emote with our bodies. Mm. All we're told a lot of times is like, sit up straight to behave. Yeah. Uh, so to find some sort of a emotion in the body mm. is kind of like a difficult phase to go through sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's what it was like for me. You talked in your uh, blog about how the actual process of blogging uh, changed your dance. Mm. And that in addition to doing classes, musicality classes and, and exploring different aspects of actual tango education, mm. which definitely enriched your tango, that there was something about actual process of writing the blog that revealed something different about your dance. I don't know if, it, if the blog helped or, or if um, what I learned also helped in building the blogger. I think it's a mutual relationship. But I realized that when I was writing the blog and I was mm -hmm. writing about stuff that I felt uncomfortable and I was publishing it and I was uh, sending it to other people, unknown people in forums, in groups that are having thousands of people, I started feeling more comfortable and more secure of myself and uh, having this feeling of, you know, I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm doing something that... I'm still afraid that somebody will come and tell me, you know, what kind of bullshit are you writing? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but in the end, that's what I think. That's what I am. That's what I express. That then reflected in my dance. I realized that when I was dancing, uh, I wasn't thinking if it looks good or if um, uh, the people outside will like it or whatever. I only, I only cared if it would be enjoyable for my partner, if I will enjoy it myself. And that is what matters for me when, when I dance. So I said, okay, no matter what I do, if it is good, bad, if mistakes happen or whatever, that's what makes the difference. That's what, that's what it is in, what is the important thing when you dance. When I started being more free to express my emotions when I dance, especially with difficult, music in, time, in, in terms of expressing emotions like Pugliese's music or uh, Goyonetti, which is my favorite, favorite singer. Then, yeah, mm. things, things started changing. And I said, okay, it may not look nice from the outside. I don't care how it looks from the outside. I care that when I finished the Tanda, I was, I was in cloud nine. I was, I was in heaven, I don't know. So let myself loose. And the same process that I followed in my blog, I don't know which one infected the other, but it was something that, yeah. Well, uh, thank you for being a part of my journey in my podcasting. <laughs> and I am really excited that you're out there doing your thing because people like me benefit from knowing other people who are putting themselves out there. Me too. And I hope that overall, this is a, um, an encouragement to more people to do that because in my recent episode, I talked about how ultimately really what we all desire is to connect with someone authentically and to actually experience who they mm. are, that that's mm. really the 
aesthetic experience we're kind of mm. looking for. I think even though in our mind we might have all these preferences, when we really see something real, mm. it doesn't need to look any certain way. And I think we're all kind of desiring to get there. Uh, so doing this podcast for me and, of course, you sharing your experience through your blog, I think those are some of the things that help us along the way. So I'm really grateful to have this opportunity to chat with you. Thank you so much for being part of the banter. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. 